So, Father, take this word, these words from Paul in Colossians, Father, and we pray that they will touch our hearts, that will change us, they will transform us, because your words do not go out empty, but, Lord, they return with blessing and anointing. So we pray, Father, that you may anoint these words this morning, that your Holy Spirit will minister into the hearts, hearts and minds of each person here, and also minds, Father, that we'll be transformed and changed, that we'll be that place again, we'll be filled again with your Holy Spirit. And, Father, that we are of that place of surrender, ready to do your will and serve you in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. We're going to read from Colossians chapter 3 and verses 1 to 11. I'm going to be reading from NIV. It'll also be on the screen. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears then, you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew or circumcised or uncircumcised barbarian, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Amen. The words are challenging enough. There's not really much to preach on that, is it? Just read the scripture and do what it says. Amen. So I encourage you when you leave this place, don't go and forget those words. Go back and, and read even if you get a chance to read the whole book of Colossians, it's not very wrong, long. Read it and be challenged by what Paul is saying to a community that he's never met. He's writing to the leader of that community and trying to encourage them in faith because there's many people who come to disrupt their beliefs, their faiths, who come and bring false teachings and doubts and to lead these people astray. And Paul's reminding them that your first faith is in Jesus Christ and he set you free not to bind you up. It's amazing how we can, um, in religion, get bound up, can't we? We can get bound up with our do's and our don'ts and our morality and what's right and wrong. We can get bound up with how we worship. Is this the right way to worship? Do we worship this way? We get bound up with liturgy. We get bound up even with the organization of the church and the chairs and, and how they should be. Should it be pure? Should it be chairs? And to, all these different conversations that go on. And really, we should be asking each other, are you surrendered to Christ? In your life, did you die to yourself this week, to your malice, to your anger, to your sexual immorality? Did you die to yourself? And are you being filled again with Christ? Are you living for him? Is he your only reality? Are your eyes upon heaven? Or your eyes cast upon your flesh and the realities of the world. Because if you want to overcome the realities of the world, the hurt, the pain, the anger, then you've got to have your eyes on heaven. 
You've got to have your eyes on the kingdom of heaven. Because in the Lord's Prayer we pray, don't we? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Where's God's kingdom? It's it's heaven, isn't it? And God's dominion is also here over earth. And so when we pray that, we're saying, God, your will in heaven be done here on earth. But that requires a transformation and a change, isn't it? If we want heaven on earth and to experience God's values and God's purpose and God's rule and reality in this place, then we have to change, don't we? We have to come in line with God's will and God's purpose and with what God says what our life should be in Him. And as a Christian, that's the hardest bridge to go over, isn't it? And this is what Paul's saying to the Colossians. You know, it's nice that you've made a decision to follow Jesus. It's really good that, it's really good that you've made that decision to follow Jesus and you've made that commitment. And it's a wonderful thing, isn't it, to give our lives to Christ, isn't it? And say, you know, I, I really want Jesus in my life. I, I really, I'm tired of what's been passed. And I want a newness in Christ. I want my life to be transformed. And it's wonderful when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit seals us with that knowledge of that salvation. But in our earthly mindsets and ideas, it's quite, it's quite easy for us to think, that's okay. I've accepted Jesus into my life. I've got salvation. I've experienced the Holy Spirit. I've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. I know I've been saved and now I can carry on with my life as I did before. And not much needs to change. And Paul said to them, wait a minute. It's great that you've been saved. It's great that you've accepted Jesus into your life. But if you do not die to yourself and rise again with Christ, if you do not submit those things in yourself that are not in God's will and live in God's will and purpose, then you're going to be led astray. You're going to be distracted by many things in the world. You're going to be taken out of God's purpose. And you're going to end up struggling in your life and your faith because you're trying to live on your own energy and strength and power and values and understanding. And you're going to get nowhere. Because when you accepted Christ into your life, that was a decision that you wanted your life to change forever and to never be the same again and not to go back to what your life was like before. Amen? But we have to come to an understanding of what it means to die to ourselves and our earthly desires. We live in a fantastic society, don't we? We have so much entertainment, so much access to, to TV, computer games, all the things that come and in, in distract us. You know, from soap operas and this, and you know, we've got great medicine to help us in our pains and other things and to, to help us live our lives as, as best we can. And it's easy just to become settled and satisfied with the life that we live and the culture that we find ourselves. Because Britain's a great place, isn't it? It's peaceful, it's good, it's, there's lots going for it. But it's not quite yet the kingdom of heaven, is it? <laughs> not there, it's not Jerusalem yet, is it? No. <laughs> but that's our desire, isn't it? 
that's our will, to see United Kingdom, to see little over, to see my life, to see my family submitted to the rule in the kingdom of God, that which manifests within my life and with my family and within my community is God's kingdom in God's rule, in God's authority. And Paul explains it for himself like this. In Galatians 2.20, he says, I have been put to death with Christ on his cross. Wow. Can you visualize that? Can you visualize yourself being put to death on the cross with Christ? Do you know what happens when you're crucified? They nail you up to a cross and they leave you there to die. Eventually they come along if, you're, if they're nice enough and they'll break your legs so you die faster and suffocate faster. But you're just suffocating slowly. And, you know, loved ones come and they, they, they come and see the person on the cross. And they might come for one day, two days, three days. But after two or three weeks, you can't recognize that person on the cross because their, their body's rotten. You don't know who's on that cross anymore. You can't tell who it is. They're dead. Their flesh is away. It's just death. And so nobody comes to see that, do they? So when we die on the cross to Christ, it's not some sort of self-martyrdom thing of saying, oh, I'm going to crucify myself with Christ. I'm going to you die, you literally, you, you don't, people won't recognize you anymore because you're dead. That which was there, your flesh and everything is gone, it's dead, and, and you're, you're living a new life as a new person. You're rising to life with Christ to live a new life, a new reality, a new identity, a new purpose. And this is really hard to preach as a preacher because it's the biggest jump, isn't it? We can all accept Jesus, but it's really hard to live for Jesus. It's really hard to, it's all right to say I've been crucified with Christ, but it's really hard to live a crucified life, isn't it? Where you submit yourself and deny yourself. You know, many people want the, the Thomas Aquinas said, um, no, Thomas Kempis said that, Many people, they want the glory of Christ, they want to walk with Christ, they want the experience of Christ, but very few want to take up his cross or drink his cup of suffering. And so, when we follow Christ, baptism symbolizes that I've given my life to Christ. I'm baptized, I die to myself. And when you come out of those waters, what do you do? You rise up alive in Christ a new person you cannot be the same if you encounter Christ you cannot be the same there's times we will be the same people difficult, awkward, angry upset (laughs) with our human nature there's times when we'll be like that but when we've died with Christ and we've risen when we've died to ourselves and risen with Christ those things shouldn't be acceptable anymore should they? When we experience anger, malice, hatred, depression, loss, greed, selfishness, hatred. When we experience those things in ourselves, what should happen? We should be refiled by them, shouldn't we? We should be disgusted with them because I've died to them. I don't recognize them. I don't want them in my life anymore. I don't accept them in my life. I don't want to be that type of person. I want to be a person who's like Christ. I want to live that risen life, that resurrected life where it says, my life brings the very presence 
of heaven and manifest it and manifest God's glory wherever I go. I want to go to a place and I don't want to manifest Gary, but I want to manifest Jesus Christ. I want to manifest the kingdom of God wherever I go. So when people encounter me or encounter this church or encounter us as a people, they say, I didn't experience those people. I experienced the power of the kingdom of God. I experienced heaven on earth because I met a people whose eyes are to heaven and who are living under God's rule and God's authority and submitting their lives to God even though it's costly, it's hard, it's difficult. They're submitting to him. They're drinking the cup of suffering and they're going on and they're living for God and his kingdom and his glory. And when as we as people and a community become satisfied with a life that's not filled with love and peace and kindness and hope and joy, when we become, um, when we become sat, when we accept anger and hatred and malice as part of our community, we know there's something going wrong, isn't there? When our community is starting to fall down, when our lives are starting to fall down, when our actions and our character start to fall down, we're starting to recognise actually I'm not surrendering myself all. I'm not dying on the cross. I'm not rising in Christ. Actually, I'm living by my own flesh and my own reality and my own desires. And I've got to get to that place where I'm willing to submit them back to God again. As God take me in my fears and in my failures and I submit myself to you. I submit my life. Fill me again, Father. Fill me anew. Fill me that I might serve you. That, that if I failed you by not taking your kingdom and your power into a place, into my family, into my relationships, into my school, into my workplace, into my groups. If I failed you in that, Father, don't let me fail you again. Let me go there and manifest who you are. Your kingdom. Your power. Your glory. Your authority of what you desire in that place, Father. When we counter Christ, we can't be the same. That the word apostle, it's in Greek apostello, is um, one who is sent. And in the in the days in which it was used, uh, I. A German or a general or an ambassador in the Roman army might be called an apostle because they were sent by the emperor to go to a different territory that wasn't under the dominion of the emperor and to bring that territory under the dominion of Rome and to take the values of Rome there, the power of Rome there, and the life of Rome into that place that the inhabitants might submit to the Roman emperor and that they might live like Romans. <laughs> the same with an ambassador. ambassador goes there to represent the power and the dominion of Rome in that place and say, this is what Rome believes, this is the values of Rome in this place. And so when Christ sent out his apostles, what did he send them out to do? He sent them out to say that God rules in this place, that God is claiming this territory. Jesus even sent his 12 disciples out in front of him 
to where he would follow to proclaim that the good news is coming, that the heaven is coming, that heaven's rule is coming in this place, and submit yourself to heaven's dominion. And he went out there with, with signs and wonders and power to proclaim the kingdom of God is coming into your town and into your village. And God's rule is going to come, and it's beautiful and it's wonderful. It's full of healing and blessing and anointing. It's a rule of peace and kindness and joy and hope. It's a rule that brings families back together. It's a, it's a rule that reunites people. It's a rule that's a blessing. Embrace it and accept it. And he sent 70 out. And they weren't explicitly apostles. They were just sent ones to go into territories to bring them under the dominion of the rule of God. And Jesus said to us, He said, I send you out. I send you out to preach the good news, to teach, to baptize, to bring the people of this earth under the dominion of God's rule. Amen? Because we hope, hopefully believe, like the Romans, that being under God's rule and being under God's dominion, being under God's control is much better than anything else. <laughs> and so we want to see our communities and our homes and our families submitted to God and serving God because we know we're going to experience heaven on earth. We're going to experience God's blessing and anointing and peace upon our lives. And that's what we want to seek, isn't it? It's difficult because um, cultures are, are different, aren't they? Everywhere over the world, um, cultures, well different people have different cultures and, and way of doing things and um, you have to engage with cultures, values what people believe and I mean the most the culture I engage with more is, is Brazilian culture, but I remember when I first married um, Lucia I forgot her name, Lucia <laughs> she'll slap me later when I first asked because dry mouth, sorry when I first married Lucia we had to go to Brazil for the first time and I had no I, I knew lots of Brazilians but I had no idea about Brazilian culture and so we, we arrived there and, and the first thing you get there and, and it doesn't matter how many people in the room if there's 12 people in the room when you arrive you've got to say hello to every person and go hola you've got to kiss them twice sometimes it depends which region they're from they say no three times <laughs> And you don't know which side to start on this, start this side, that side, do this. And, and so you've got to go around the whole room saying, hello, hello. Because about 20 minutes later, you finish just saying hello, and then you stay for half an hour, and then you have to leave again. There's no 20 minutes saying goodbye. <laughs> but it's part of the culture. If you don't do it, it's, it's rude. You've got to do it. It's part of the culture. And then... Learning eating habits, being a boy from Glasgow who doesn't have much ha good habits at a table. <laughs> Learning what, how Brazilians eat. And, um, and part of what they expect is when you go there and you eat food, they expect you to finish the plate because it's rude not to finish the plate. You've got to eat everything. But the problem is when you finish everything, they ask you you want seconds. And then it's rude not to accept the seconds. You have to find a really good excuse not to have the acceptance that have the seconds. But I didn't really have any good excuses because I couldn't speak the language. I go, no. So you have to say, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And then they come with a 
bigger, they fill the plate up bigger than you had the first time. You're going, oh my goodness me, how do I eat this? How do I manage this? How, how do I? He's like, so at the end of the year, going to And then when you're sitting at the dinner table, I didn't know this, but you don't touch any food. You know, I grew up with um, three brothers and a sister. When our table was loaded up, it was like, <laughs> grab what you could, get the food, and eat it. <laughs> it was a fight to get your food. You were fighting against your brothers and sisters to get the food. But in Brazil, they, they, you're not allowed to touch any food. And even if that's kind of like food you would normally eat, like chicken wings or burgers or pizza, you've got to get a napkin. And you've got to pick up with a napkin. Have you ever tried to pick a pizza up with a napkin? This, this is very difficult. Now, I realised afterwards the Brazilian used knives and forks to eat the pizza, but here's me with a napkin trying to eat a soggy pizza. <laughs> so all these, all these things, cultures are, are strange, and um, it's, uh, it, it can be quite complex. And the other thing was, you know, you can't blow your nose at the table. You can't blow your nose. You've got a napkin there. You've got lots of napkins there and your nose is running. And you just want to go, that's so easy. <laughs> oh my goodness, the looks I got for blowing my nose at the table. Oh my goodness, me. You know, and nobody told me to say, oh, you better leave the table to blow your nose. Isn't that inconvenient? You've got to get up and get around these people and go, hello again. <laughs> just, <laughs> just, to, just to blow your nose. It's just, it's, so, so culture's a strange thing, isn't it? And this is the thing as well, for us when we're venturing from our old lives into a new life, into the kingdom of heaven, when we have to lay things down that we're comfortable with and we've accepted in our lives and actually say they're no longer acceptable to God, they're no longer acceptable to God's rule, I have to live a new way, I have to have a new identity, new values, new purpose, a new culture. It can be hard and difficult, but we can embrace it and we can engage with it. So... Um, I think I handle myself well in Brazil. Now, you're not supposed to have wind, but when you eat strong Brazilian food, that's, uh, that's another issue. But it's, uh, it, you, you really do, you know, so when we're entering the kingdom of heaven, it's challenging for us because we're entering into God's values, God's kingdom, and God's reign. And God says, I don't want those things in your life that have been there before. I don't want your malice, your anger, your hatred. I want you to lay those things down. I don't want your bitterness, your excuses, your unforgiveness. I want you to lay them down. I don't want your endless excuses why you can't serve me or why you can't read the Bible or why you can't use the gifts of the Spirit. I want you to lay those excuses down. For those things that you've become attached to the world, sexual immorality, things that distract your time and take you away from God, that you, you don't have time to read your Bible, but you can watch a box set on Netflix. It just says there's a, there's a priority wrong there somewhere, isn't it? And you have to lay it down. If you watch a box set, that's fine, but give God the time there as well. You've got to lay it down. And we've got to walk into that new culture which says, my life has to reflect heaven. I've got to put on a new set of clothes, new values, which says love, peace, kindness, hope, that my life should reflect these. Even the most challenging situations, we've got to display love and hope and peace and kindness. 
And the only way you can do that is I had to die to myself being a Scottish boy from Glasgow and embrace Brazilian culture and become more Brazilian, which Vanessa doesn't really like. <laughs> so I'm too Brazilian. But it's, uh, <laughs> you, you've got to lay down what was past and embrace something new. And so when I go to Brazil, I have to embrace being Brazilian. And so when we enter the kingdom of God, we've got to embrace being Christ-like and becoming more like him, allowing our characters to be formed like him and shaped like him, to surrender those things that are of our past that we might like, we might hold on to, actually we desire, but say, I can't have them because it's not Christ-like. It's not God's desire. It's not going to bring heaven and earth. It's not going to bring God's rule. It's not going to bring my family under the submission of God. It's not going to manifest God's kingdom in my family and my friendships and my relationships. I have to surrender those to God. So that when we go to places, people say, this person's too heavenly. This person's too God-like. This person's Christ-like. This person has a different smell to them, a different presence, a different power, a different authority. Because when we die to ourselves and we live in Christ, we come into a new authority. We come under the authority of Jesus Christ and his power, his authority filled with the Holy Spirit, moving with power. It says, all authority has been given to me, Jesus says. All authority has been given to me. Everything comes under my feet, even the powers and the dominions, the devils, the demons, the spirits, all come under my authority and my dominion. And one day, every knee will bow before me and recognize that anyway. So it's better you bow your knee now before Christ and recognize it and live for him. And all authority and power and dominion is going to happen. And who does he do? Who does he send? He sends us. And what authority do we go under? We come under the authority of Christ. So we know that everything in the world, everything before us, every stronghold, every spirit, every demon, every activity, ever in this world comes under the authority of Christ. And Christ has given us that authority to work for him, to live for him, to bring things under dominion in this place for him, that we live for him and serve him and bring this world into the life of Christ. And so as Christians, sometimes we don't recognize it, but we have incredible authority. We have authority to bless and to curse. We have authority to, to bring down nations and rise up nations. We have authority to cast out evil and to bring the power of the Spirit into people's lives. We have the power to transform lives and communities because of who Jesus Christ is and the authority and power that he is. We just have to open our eyes to the authority and power that we have and live in when we submit to him and surrender and live in his glory. In Jesus' name. Amen.